Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Ken Moskowitz, and we're going to explore how to write Facebook ads that sell. And I'm here to tell you, this is one of those solid gold interviews you might even want to listen to twice. By the way, if you want to reach out to me, I am Stelzner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool tool that's going to help all of us as we go through our Google search results. It's called Google Results Previewer. Tell me more. So you know how you want to Google something and you go to Google and you, you Google it and then you get this list of Google search results and then you've got to find out, okay, which one of these results is going to give me the most accurate information in terms of what I am specifically looking for. And, and oftentimes you're going to visit many different websites and you're going to maybe right click and open up a whole bunch of tabs. This will actually keep you from having to do that because what this does and what it is, is it is a Chrome Web Store plugin that once you have it installed and you're doing your search results through Google Chrome, you can hover over a URL in the search results and a window pane will open up to the right and then you can start to scroll through the site without actually visiting the site or having to open up multiple extra tabs. So essentially, it just lets you see whether or not it's going to be the right kind of destination before you click on it. Is that the idea? Exactly. Exactly. Going to save you a ton of time. Interesting. Is it only so it works in Chrome? So that means it's desktop, right? That's right. So uh, how do we get this thing? So it's real easy to get to. You go to the Chrome Web Store, which you can find at chrome.google.com/webstore, and then once you're in there. Just search for Google Results Previewer, each individual word, Google Results Previewer. From what you can tell, is this an official Google extension or whatever, or is this some it's third not party? A, no, it's not official, but I mean, I, I put it in and I started using it and I found it to be very helpful to not just, you know, again, right click and open up a whole bunch of tabs and then click between all the tabs. I just start scrolling down through and I can open up. I can hover preview over each of these results and see if it's even something worth clicking. So does it literally pop a window over the top of where your mouse is or how is it exactly showing it? Yeah, it's like a two thirds of your browser that's open size window over to the right. Hmm. And so you get a pretty decent full size browser experience, just miniaturized. And you just you, you move your cursor over to there and then you start scrolling while you're over on that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. 
Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Ken Moskowitz. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Ken Moskowitz. If you don't know who Ken is, he's the author of Jab Till It Hurts and founder of Ad Zombies, one of the world's top flat fee ad copywriting services. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so I'm like so excited. I couldn't contain myself today getting ready to to do this. Awesome. I was just stoked. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited to have you, Ken, uh, a fellow copywriter. Um, and you and I are going to explore how to write Facebook ad copy that converts. And before we get into that, I want to hear a little bit of your story. How in the world did you get into creating ads? Start wherever you want to start. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I, I got to tell you, my path to writing ads and creating ads didn't start the way most people would assume. I, I, I wasn't a creative writer in school. I wasn't this literary genius. I didn't read Shakespeare and wasn't inspired by it. No, I grew up in New York City and I used to listen to 101 WCBS FM New York. My mom and dad loved it was like the oldie station. And I was fascinated by the commercials. Hmm. So I grew up listening to Harry Harrison, Ron Lundy, Cousin Brucey, all of the legendary voices of New York radio. And for me, it was listening to those ads and, and something about being able to tell a story in a very short amount of time. Back then, 60 seconds felt like a very short amount of time today that feels like an eternity. <laughs> but uh, I was really inspired by that. And, and so while other kids were making mixtapes uh, at 12 years old, I was in my bedroom making my own commercials. And so when I was 13 and bar mitzvahed, I took some of the money from my bar mitzvah, went to Crazy Eddie and The Wiz, and I bought all of the equipment to fully furnish my studio in my bedroom. And I created a recording studio where instead of making music mixtapes, I spent my weekends writing and producing commercials because that was, I was like the AV squad nerd in my own home. That's so cool. So keep going. How did that lead to opportunity for you? Well, so as a kid, that was my thing. Um, my parents thought I was weird. I was not the kid that was going to be the, uh, doctor, lawyer, typical, like let's go to college and do this. I thought radio was my path in life and, and it really was. Um, but I didn't know at that time that I was I had chosen the wrong path in radio at first. And we all course correct, I believe, as we go through life. And so I thought I had this delusion that I was going to be the greatest thing on radio ever. Like I was going to be God's gift to morning radio. <laughs> and what I what I discovered very quickly, I loved being on the air. I loved, uh, in fact, my first radio station was uh, 102.3 WSUS, Sussex County, New Jersey. I still remember. Um, but I really fell in love with the production studio when one of my production directors went on vacation and they needed someone to fill in. Now, I had never worked in a production studio. Obviously, I had my own in my bedroom, but the one in my bedroom was was really janky. And it wasn't what you would call a production studio. I'm using air quotes here, which you can't see on the podcast. But uh, I I volunteered. I said, hey, I'll fill in. And when I went into that production studio, it was transformative for me. I knew that's where I needed to be. And so my career shifted from being on air to being behind the scenes in the production studio. And that's really where my career started to develop and, and rise. For people that don't know what production studio does, what are they producing the ads? Is that the idea? You're the guy making the radio ads, the jingles, the the sweepers, the promo IDs for the station. I mean, that for me, like the first time I was able to produce a station promo for a hip hop station. And, you know, you 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 get to play with the sound effects and you you're the one who writes the script for the big voice guy. Right. And back back then it was Chuck Riley and Eric Edwards. I still remember these two guys. They're powerful voices. 
and and I got to write a legal ID and it's like 100,000 watts of music power. And it's like, wow, I get to produce this really cool thing that everybody hears. So for me, it was the love of the production and and being able to to articulate and tell a story through a very quick piece of audio. Sometimes they were 15 seconds, sometimes they were 30, sometimes they were a minute. But uh, as time went on, I really found that storytelling, especially when it came to clients, advertisers, storytelling was my niche. It was my specialty. It was my superpower. And I didn't know that for many years until I realized how many millions of dollars I had helped the company generate because I was the, the secret weapon that they would bring into sales meetings because I knew how to sell them on the idea. And the idea was the creative and the storyline for that year and, and what we were doing in their campaign. So for me, it was just my natural place to be in that production studio, creating stories in short form for clients. So fast forward now to kind of what you're doing today. Tell us more. Wow. Fast forward. So skip about 26 years, 27 years of radio. <laughs> okay. We're just going to condense my entire broadcast career into like that moment. Right. Um, it was, it was 2017. And I was in a Facebook group. Uh, by the way, I left the radio industry in 2011, started my own creative firm um, that does full service video production and uh, TV show pilots. And, and so that company's doing its thing. And, and here it is, March of 2017, March 6, 2017 to be exact. And I'm in a Facebook group and a young man posts a, a cry for help in one of the groups. And he said, I wrote this ad for my client. It was a plastic surgeon. And it was for breast augmentation or reconstruction. And the ad wasn't converting. And he said, I don't know what's wrong with the ad. It sucks. Can anyone help me? And unfortunately, a lot of people tend to go down the path of beating someone up. When they're down, it's like the, they're the easy target. So several people had jumped in and said, yeah, you're right. The ad does suck. But nobody offered him a, 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 an ounce of help. And so I just went in and did what I naturally do. I said, hey, here, here's what's wrong with the ad. Here's why I think it's not converting. And if I were to write the ad, this is the way I would write it. And so in the comments section of the request for help, I rewrote the ad, which led to 10, 15 people saying, holy cow, I wish I could write like that. And all I did was say, if you ever need help, reach out, hit me up, DM me, email me. And that was the start of Ad Zombies as a business. That weekend, I had over 100 requests for copywriting help, and I knew that that I was onto something. I stumbled upon it. Truthfully, I, I tell people this all the time. They say, oh, you, you built this incredible business by accident. Mm. I, I really didn't intend to build this business. It, I stumbled upon a need and this is my superpower. So I love doing this. So it was effortless for me. And so today I have this incredible team and we're, you know, international. We have, we have writers, we have clients all over the world. And, um, I'm so fortunate because sometimes as Bob Ross, the artist used to stay on PBS, happy accidents happen. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that's an awesome story. Uh, as you folks can tell, um, Ken knows what he's talking about, and I'm really kind of excited to dig in with you, Ken. Um, but I want to start with a why question. Um, why does ad copy matter so much? I think that intuitively people know it matters, but like, why can a good piece of ad copy make all the difference in the world? So to answer that question, rather than simply responding, let's play. Shall we play a little bit? Sure, let's do it. Why is ad copy so important? If you were to close your eyes right now and envision a Facebook ad scrolling in your newsfeed, the visual is going to stop you, right? Whatever that visual is, it's going to grab your attention and stop you. And the hope is that it's going to stop you long enough to get you to read the headline. What if I said to you, try not to think. Now, listen, Mike, I want, Michael, I want you to hear this. Try not to think of a red door. Okay. Okay. Are you not thinking of a red door? I am not thinking of a red door. <laughs> I'm thinking of a blue door. <laughs> okay. But when I say red door, do you see the flash? Do you see that? Red oh, door I saw. Yeah, I saw the red door for sure. Right. So it, it's words are so powerful because they paint pictures 
And they paint pictures in a way that's very hard for the brain to unsee. Mm. So if I wrote an ad and the headline of the ad is stop thinking about the red door or try not to think about the red door, even if your ad had a picture of a blue door in it, your mind is going to visualize a red door. And so words are very powerful. And so if you have a visual that can stop the scroll, step one, you've accomplished but then you've got to get them to move further down. And that's where the copy, the storytelling comes in. And when you can hook someone with a headline and then slowly move them into the body copy, it's an art form. It's taking them on a journey from, and you can take them anywhere with that journey. You can literally take them from an image of a blue door to an image, to the words, try not to think about a red door all the way through to a the colors of your house and a and a home painting company. It's really that it's crazy what you can do with words. You can change emotions just like that. And that's really really important because what you're talking about is when people are in this passive mode in Facebook, they don't go to Facebook specifically looking for ads, right? I mean, this is a disruptive medium, right? So you're scrolling through and all of a sudden there is this ad that pops up, right? And nobody wants to actually necessarily stop for the ads. So you have to try harder to get the ad to stop them. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And then to pull them in with the story. Absolutely. You have to grab their attention, hook them, right? It's the reason why, you know, car dealers have those big blow up, ugly, you know, guys that sway in the wind, you need right. something to grab the attention of the consumer that's driving by at 50 miles an hour. Well, Facebook's the same way. You know, if you think about Facebook, you scroll, you know, a, a person in their in their 20s scrolls at a very different pace than someone in their 30s who scrolls at a very different pace than someone in their 40s. And as you get older, by the way, your scroll slows down. Hmm. So so when you're trying to target someone who's 60 or 65 on Facebook, I love those people because they, they go through their scroll so slowly, not because they're feeble, not because they're old, but because they don't want to miss anything. They are- And they, they have more time. They have more time. They have a ton more time. And so they want to consume every minute because what, what happens in their news feeds is they don't want to miss pictures of the grandkids, right. the dogs, right? Things like that, that matter. And so that's, they're a great audience because they do read everything. Okay. So let's talk about different kinds of objectives. Cause I know you've got, you know, you've come up with, I mean, a lot of marketers use different ad objectives and what I want to do is dig into kind of like different, what should we be thinking about based on our ad objective? Okay, so when you're marketing, so let's let's go really basic for a moment. I want to talk to not super advanced marketers. I want to talk to the marketers that are starting. Oftentimes, marketers, when they put an ad on Facebook, they go right for the jugular. They're looking to to close the deal on the first ad impression. and And I believe that's a faulty and flawed method of attracting a client. Hmm. Why? Because when you want to to do business with someone, you first have to get them to know you. It's just like dating, right? You wouldn't show up to the at the front door ready to hop into bed. You're gonna go on the you're gonna go on the date. You're gonna wine and dine one another. You're gonna court one another. You're gonna get playful, right? There's a there's a a natural progression of a relationship before you say I do and put a ring on it. So the same thing happens in the marketing uh, and and advertising space. You want to start with what we call awareness. You know, Bond calls it connect. What does she call it? Connect and um, – You're talking uh, about Amanda Bond? Yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm yeah. not exactly sure off the top of my head, but I know she's got some sort of cool little phrase. Right. It's connect something and convert. And, and she's, by the way, brilliant. I love her. Um, and her podcast interview with you was spot on. So you want to, you want to create awareness. Uh, what is awareness? Awareness is bringing your business, your brand, your product, your service to the forefront of that consumer's mind. And, and so let's play another game here, Michael. I'm going to play, and this is the three brand game. And I do this whenever I speak in an event because it really, it really shows you how well brand awareness plays on the memory and the buying power of consumers, right? So not that you have this problem, but if you had hemorrhoids and you had to buy a product to take care of those hemorrhoids, what product would you go to the pharmacy and buy? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, 
oh my God, you failed me. The first person ever to not have the answer to this. Well, that's because you're used to talking to an audience and I am an audience of one. So I'm sure people that are listening know, but I have no idea. (laughs) I'm heartbroken and devastated. The the audience typically shouts out preparation H. Oh, okay. And um, and, Clearly, I don't have that problem. (laughs) You're lucky. You're lucky. Okay. Okay, so let's go to something that you definitely have used before. Okay. If you had a if you had a cold and had to blow your nose, what would you use to blow your nose? Probably puffs is my guess. Oh, come on. You're killing me. All right, okay. Kleenex, Kleenex. I don't know what. <laughs> That's okay. No, but I love that you said a different brand, but okay. puffs. Okay, so yeah. let's go with puffs. Okay. I like I like that you're throwing me curveballs today because <laughs> usually the answers are always like I can count the number of times that they've been different and today is the time. <laughs> So, <laughs> is it supposed to be Kleenex? Is that the idea? Yes. And everyone says Kleenex across okay. the board. Okay. And, and, and they have such a, an indelible brand awareness that they confuse the brand with the product. It's actually a tissue. Yeah. Right. So for you, you said puffs, but it's really a tissue. It's probably, owned, last, by, it's probably owned by Kleenex, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure it is. It, it might be. <laughs> um, okay. The last one. If you had a cut on your finger and wrapped it with something, what would you put on it to protect okay, your finger? Okay. I'll go along. Band-Aid. Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> God, I was going to try to throw you off, but I couldn't think of anything else in this case. Yeah. So Band-Aid and Band-Aid is the brand, but it's a bandage. Right. And everyone confuses the brand for the product. And so a good awareness campaign is going to bring your perception, your brand awareness to the forefront of the consumer's mind. Now, Today, I believe it's 14 touch points, and I don't know if the numbers have changed. They seem to change all the time, but about 14 touch points before a consumer, a customer, your target audience will take the bait and transact with you. So starting with trying to get them to convert or close at the first touch point is really kind of silly. Um, so well, this, we this like is to- absolutely fascinating. So, so this top of funnel thing that you're talking about, this awareness ad campaign is something that I don't know if a lot of marketers do because so many of us are just doing remarketing. Right, right. And, and so awareness gets you in the front of that consumer's mind in a fun, creative way. You're not necessarily trying to close them on the deal and in, in that moment. And let me explain. So in my business, in Ad Zombies, we write ad copy for businesses, right? We work with agencies around the world. We work with SMBs, small and medium businesses around the world, and they hire us to do a job, to write their ads, to write their emails, whatever. But the first touch point most of them have, if not from a referral or a recommendation, is they see this crazy ad. We call it the clown ad. And the clown ad is this scary clown. He's bloody. And there's a little boy standing in a field and the clown is sneaking up behind him. Now, the music is very silly and juxtaposes the seriousness of this clown coming up behind this boy. And and the ad says, what's the number one word marketers struggle to find uh, something about when they need help with copywriting? And it's help. Hmm. And so the first touch point is this ad. This ad has been viewed 1.3 million times, has been shared 500 times, has got hundreds and hundreds of comments on it, and I mean a ton of engagement. The other ad that many people will see at the top of the funnel we call the booger ad. And the booger ad is a young woman with her finger up her nose, and it talks about picking the wrong words. (laughs) And so – we, we do this not to convert, not to close, not to transact, but to grab the attention. And, and the copy around that ad is very short, very sweet. Why? Because we want people to watch these videos, engage, comment, and share, and, and really start to be brand advocates early on. Once they've engaged with us at the – and Amanda Bond doesn't like it either. I'm not a big fan of funnels, um, but I do like sequencing. From the top of the funnel or the start of the sequence, the awareness phase, we move them into consideration. And that's the middle of the funnel for those that like the term funnel. So consideration is where we give them the reasons they want to transact with us, the Hmm. reasons that we're here. We're not trying to necessarily sell them, although we do lob softballs at them, right? But the, the close isn't a hard close. Here, what we're trying to do is, again, bridge the gap between their pain points. Why would you hire us to write your ads? Because it takes too much time. You suck at writing ads. I get 
you know, people who, who struggle to get ads approved because they use words that Facebook doesn't like. Or your ads aren't uh, achieving your objectives, right? Right. There's a whole bunch of reasons. So we speak to the pain points. We have one ad that speaks to people specifically about uh, ad rejection, and it's called rejection sufferers. You know, and, and we talk about using the seven dirty words, fat, you, suck, overweight, things like that, that people go, oh, you can't say those words on Facebook. Of course you can. It's the context. It's the way you string those words together that matters. And so oftentimes young marketers, new marketers don't understand the context of how to position words in, in, in the sentence, in the syntax. And syntax is just the order, right? But you have to have the right order, the right structure for that ad to be compliant. If you get it wrong, Facebook's going to block you. They're going to say, nope, you can't run that ad. So the middle of the of the funnel or the stage that we like to do is, is, is consideration. Right. We are now educating the potential customer about the reasons why they would want to do business with us. Hmm. And, and then in the third or final stage, let's call it the bottom of the funnel, and we'll go beyond the bottom. We'll go to the retargeting in a second. But at the bottom of the funnel is the convert, right? So we want to get awareness. We want to get some consideration, and then we want them to convert. And what we do on the conversion cycle is we then bring in client testimonials and we're sharing the story of success that others have had working with us. And, and so what we're doing is, is we're reinforcing that this is a good decision that they're making, right? We've already brought awareness. They know who we are at this point. We've talked about their pain points at this point. And now we're, we're showing them the proof that what we do works. And so that's the buying cycle for us, for, for new clients, the way we onboard new clients is to produce ads that kind of sequence them down what you would call the funnel. Right. Then we have the retargeting. And by the way, re retargeting or, or retargeting as someone who's gone to your shopping cart and, and didn't check out is super critical. If, if you're running any type of business where you have the potential of a client not opting in or you know not signing up or not purchasing, you want to have a retargeting sequence and our retargeting sequence, one of our most popular ads is an actual ad that, because again, we talk to marketers that has a crowd of people staring kind of at you. And the ad says, when you tap shop now, you'll stop seeing this ad. And, <laughs> it, okay. and it says tag, you're it. And, and the ad, I mean, I can, I can pull the ad up at any given time and, and tell you that I, I know that historically this ad is always a, a, a winner for us because we speak marketers language. We know how to, how to get that marketer to understand that we know them, we understand them. So the ad copy itself says, the headline of the ad says, tag, you're it, we've retargeted you. And the body copy says something to the effect of, oh, hi again, you know, we know you like our content, we see you click our ads, occasionally you comment on them, we know you've been dying to stop writing your own ad copy, and this is your out, fire yourself. And so, so we write our messages in a way that speak directly to our consumer. Awesome. And when you do that as a business, you, you're going to win. And here's why. Your consumer respects the hell out of you because you're talking to them. You, it feels very personal, very individualized, and it doesn't feel like you're trying to sell them. It feels like you're trying to help them, which ultimately what your business should be doing. That's awesome. All right. Um, let's talk about the actual craft, the writing craft. Um, I know that you have you know, different styles of writing that you kind of alluded to part one of them being storytelling talk to us a little bit about how we should be thinking about the actual creation of the actual copy great so let's talk about the different styles of of writing if you're writing your own ad what style would you use Michael, what's your default style? I'm, I'm curious since you, since we're talking. Yeah. About I mean, I'm a copywriter as well. I think my default style, I mean, is, I don't even know, I guess what, what, how I would describe it, but typically I would talk about 
benefits. You know, I would kind of say like, here is an advantage to you, the reader of the ad. Um, and it's very conversational, very casual language. Okay. So, so we've got, and, and, and we, in my world, we use three different styles. I, I say four styles because the fourth style is we get to choose for the client. And we always like that because then we can, f- we can really choose the appropriate style for where the ad is in the client journey. But our default, my default is storytelling, right? That's the one that I love. And you can turn any ad into a storytelling ad. When you're, when you're building your ads, when you're writing, people don't think about, well, I'm writing an ad for, you know, um, and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, a swim school. How, how do I write an ad for a swim school that's storytelling, that's emotional, that's going to connect the dots for people, um, that's going to really engage with them emotionally? And, and so a storytelling ad for, for something like that could be t- writing a story from the perspective of a kid that falls in the pool and how terrifying it is as the water closes in on them and they see the dog barking at the pool deck and nobody hears them because they're sinking slowly under the water and the light starts to fade and the kid just struggles and and opens his mouth to take a breath and water rushes in and it's excruciating. And now I'm painting a visual with these words that's really hard for people to get out of their heads. And right. So when you do that, it becomes it's a storytelling ad that explains what it's like when a kid drowns from the kid's perspective, which is to motivate the parent to get the kid enrolled in swim school so the kid doesn't drown. Right. You don't ever want this to happen to your kid. So you can turn anything into a storytelling ad. It's just a matter of how you position it and what what the end goal is of the ad. Let me let me give let me throw an example over to you. Okay, let's say that we are trying to sell um, a membership to a professional organization that helps marketers um, keep up with all the changes in the social media world and basically uh, get the support that they need. We happen to have such a product that's called the Social Media Marketing Society. So how would we tell a story to try to get people to see that they need to join a professional organization where they can get training and support? I love to start with creating a fictitious character, right? So the ad, because people can empathize with someone else, right? A lot of times, if you talk to someone directly, it's really hard for them to see the pain in themselves, but right. they can see it in someone else. And so therefore, it's a lot easier. So I would I would create a character. You know, this is this is uh, John, Johnny Marketer, Joe Marketer. And, and before Joe discovered this, this was his life. And it, it, it shares the journey of, of, and the struggle right? and what he was going through. And then, you know, he found the, the, the secret cow, the golden cow of social media marketing world. Right. And you think about this and, but you, you, you create this story of how this has transformed his business mm. and it's very relatable because. And then you go, say Johnny marketer happens to be you kind of a thing at the end. Um, Johnny Marketer, join Johnny Marketer. I see. You know, join Johnny Marketer in the in the world of successful marketers. Got it. Right. Become the next Johnny Marketer because what you're doing is is you're living vicariously through him, this fictitious character. And a lot of times, clients will say, "Well, can I write this? Can I? Is this you know disingenuous for me to write this? No, it's it's you're writing it's a story. Not, yeah. Right. It's it's not a documentary. You know, we're not saying that these characters are real. Yeah, have we ever painting. seen a commercial with a real actor? I mean, come on. I mean, with a real human? No, of course. The people that are cleaning their dishes are not actually real people. They're actors, <laughs> right? But it's funny. The same rules that uh, the rules that apply to TV, for some reason, don't seem to apply in the minds of, of marketers to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, right. name the platform. Right. And but they do. It's the same thing. It's just a different version of television. Um, so, so, okay, let me ask you this question about the storytelling. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of room, obviously, to tell a story inside of a Facebook ad, or do we? Do you recommend paragraphs and paragraphs, or how much copy are we talking about here? So we have an internal rule in my company, and that is this: you write the ad until the story feels complete. Mm. And because you can shortchange yourself, you can shortcut and miss critical things that that should be in that story. And the right 
consumer, the right audience is going to take the time to read every word. We've written word ads that are like one or two lines long, and we've written ads that are paragraphs and paragraphs. I, I always laugh when I see someone in a Facebook group say, oh, never write long ads. Nobody will read them. And when you look at their profile, they're 20. Right. And and they don't have the patience. They don't have the they, – they haven't developed the maturity yet to – to develop the patience to read a full length ad or an editorial. And so I, I always test a short form and a long form. And so maybe write I, the story and then try to make a shorter version of it and test them up against yeah. each other. Absolutely. I always write the long one first and then I hack it down to make a, a, a micro version because sometimes you'll discover that one outperforms the other. Now, what I often discover is one outperforms the other on a different day of the week because Facebook's algorithm is an algorithm. It serves the audience the different ads based on different days and what they're doing. And so we like to split test them for a while to get some real data, not just like 24 hours of data and the decision is made. Right. And we have some ads that are still running that are two years old or yeah, two, over two years old that have just great conversion. And they're really, really long. Like I wouldn't even read them because I don't have the attention span. Okay. Earlier in the interview, you, you threw out the word headline. And um, I used to be a copywriter and I used to write physical ads and magazines that clearly had a headline. But in the case of Facebook, there really kind of isn't really a headline, except if you're talking about the, the, the text that goes under the image. So when you say headline, do you just mean the opening sentence of the ad or what are you referring to when you, when you talk about a headline? I am specifically referring to the text under the image, the big, bold headline text that that's the what Facebook calls the headline right. is underneath the image or video. And it, it's interesting. It's, a, it's at the bottom of the ad, which is kind of funny, right? Yes, it's counterintuitive to what a headline is. A headline would be at the header, the right. top. But but here's what they found and here's why Facebook placed it where, where they did. So if you look at your phone or your computer and you're scrolling on Facebook, right? When you scroll, your thumb is scrolling, scrolling up. And so the stuff is moving from the bottom of the screen to the top. So by the time your eye catches whatever the image is, whatever the, the, the video is, you would have missed the headline all the way at the top. So what they've done is they've placed it right beneath that. So when you stop, even though if the image might be slightly cut off, your headline is going to be pretty much dead center on your device. So if we're telling us, this is really where it gets really interesting. If we're telling a story, the goal is to write a headline to get them to scroll up to read the story. Am I right? Talk to me about oh, that. Correct. Your your headline wants to grab them. So let, let me go back to that, that swim school ad. That was actually a real ad for a swim school. And the the initial image that that ad used was a happy baby underwater blowing bubbles and the mom has got her hands out and it was so cute but it didn't convert because there's no pain in that there's no call to action that's going to make me go oh i want my kid to blow bubbles under the water and smile and be happy no yes we all want that for our children but how do you get someone to emotionally react and and make a, a visceral buying decision so the image that we chose for the ad was a father and daughter holding hands, looking at a grave, a headstone. And the headline said, don't let this happen to your kid. Hmm. At that point, if you don't know what the ad is about, you're going to stop. And that's what happened with this ad. This swim school had trouble booking. They they ran ads for months and, and had very little reaction uh, to their campaign when the ad that we had done for them was implemented, they had booked out six months in like three days. And, and, and I'm not saying we're the greatest at that. It, part of it is they're targeting the agency that they were working with knew how to target the agency right. they were working with knew how to spend the money the right way. There's a lot of factors that go into the success of a campaign, but, but getting them with an emotional image, getting them with a headline that makes them go, wait a second, don't let what happened to your own kid. Now they're thinking that kid is in that grave. They stop and they scroll back down or pull the image down because they want to read what this is about. So in the case of the idea that we were talking about earlier, if we were to show, you know, if, if we've got a solution to help marketers not deal with the pain and struggle of, um, 
uh, of change. You know, we could show a, a pink slip, you know, and someone walking out the door of a business and we could say, don't let this happen to your marketing job or something. Right. Is that kind of where I'm hearing you? Sure. Or, you know, I would go with like a headline of just fired. Yeah. Dot, you know, with an ellipses, dot, dot, dot. And then at the top, you go, whoa, whoa, just fired. And here's this guy with boxes in his hands, whatever the image is. Right. And then the the body copy, I would start with himself. Bob just fired himself from his full-time job because, and now we can start talking about the story Got and it. getting into the story. So I, I so, so the I, headline needs to be kind of like the, the negative possible outcome in this, in these particular story situations that someone who's reading it could see themselves in to get them to stop, to want to scroll back up and read the story. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It can be negative. It can be positive. It can be whatever feels like what, Test it. It's it's test it. Test everything because creative. I learned this from Gary Vaynerchuk early on, and I will tell you, the guy is brilliant. Test everything because so many people will tell you, "Oh, this doesn't work. I tried that." Well, guess what? It didn't work for them, but that doesn't mean it won't work for you. Test everything, and when you test everything, you'll quickly discover what works and what doesn't work. And so you have to test, test, test. I mean, not every ad headline has to um, has to grab you. Like that was a negative. We have a, we have a, a, an ad running, and that says it shows it's a video, and it shows a, a man with a quill pen in candlelight writing on a piece of parchment, and it says we write his best work, and the ad is about Willie Shake, William Shakespeare, and that. William hired us to write an ad for his upcoming play, and he sat in a dark, dank room, feathered plume in hand, wondering how to promote his latest masterpiece. And then his BFF Thad told him about us, this remarkable wordsmiths on the other side of the ocean. So we write this really crazy story, and William Shakespeare wrote us a letter. And so, but what we do is we create this, this visualization that it's very hard for people to go to ignore. And stoppeth thine pain is one of the hooks we use in the video. Very cool. So we talked about your storytelling style. Are there any other styles you want to talk about? Uh, absolutely. So we there's there's also if you're writing an ad, you, you know, there's the direct sales pitch, right? That that by now here's here's why get that ad written to make the consumer take action. Direct sales pitch is pretty self-explanatory. You're going to talk about the features, the benefits, the reasons why, and you're going to go right for the close. That comes further down in the sales pipeline. That is not a top of funnel ad unless your product is so remarkable, so life-changing like the pet rock was that you know people had to go out and buy it or a mood ring, right? It doesn't take a lot of thought to say, oh, I'm going to buy this little tchotchke. Tchotchke, there's a New York word. That that allows the consumer to purchase something on the first go around. But for the most part, you want to save those direct sales pitches for a little further down the pipeline. Is there any suggestions you have to make a direct sales pitch a little bit better? Yeah, I, I would be real with consumers. Consumers can they have a, they have a BS meter these days and they're really smart. And I think a lot of companies don't give their target audience credit for knowing when something is real or something is not. So be genuine with your customers. Don't oversell, don't hype, but give them the facts because it's really easy for someone to Google, for someone to do some research and discover that what you're selling is snake oil or what you're selling is really good. So, so be honest with your, with your customers when you sell, always. Do you recommend putting testimonials in, in the ads? I love testimonials because you know, we, we, we use testimonials regularly and recommend testimonials for our clients because when you're using a testimonial, it's especially a video testimonial. I love video testimonials because it's really hard to refute someone speaking about your business, your product, your service, and how it's changed their life, whether it's medical or, uh, you know, in, in the case of what we do, copywriting, whatever it is, it's, it's really hard to refute that, that first person like this is amazing ad. When you're using a video testimonial, do you recommend writing a version of it for people that won't bother to watch the video? I don't. And and what the reason I don't is this. I 
I believe that the video should, if it's done right, stand on its own. And by the way, done right doesn't mean you have to make this production out of it. It's not, it doesn't have to be a, a made for TV movie. It has to just be real. And so a lot of times when you do a video testimonial, do a, do a Skype or a Zoom and, and have a one-to-one -one conversation with that client or that customer about your product, your service, how it's changed their lives, how it's been helpful, whether it's a pain medication or this or that. And then you take that, edit yourself out of it or edit the, the person doing the interview out of it and, and just get the bullet points of why and then write a short little narrative around it. You know, and by the way, don't think that people won't watch a three minute long video because one of our longest videos, which is a testimonial, is three minutes long and converts like a machine. That's awesome. Um, are there any there's a lot of people right now that do not have this talent that you have. And there's some people that are not going to hire your company, but maybe they just sure. want to learn this from scratch. You know, is there any books or anything that you would recommend that they that they dig in on? Uh, yeah. So there is a, well, there, I've got a couple of resources and, um, I wanted to, so, so before I get into the books, because there are so many books that people recommend that people say, oh, you should go out and buy, and you can learn copywriting in so many different ways. What I, before I recommend books and spending money on books, um, I want to take a moment to recommend that you find Facebook ads and, and ads that you like and start a clipboard of them. Create a little yeah, – We used um, to call them swipe Swipe, swipe files. Yeah, swipe exactly. Files. I love swipe files because if, if it resonates with you – and again, remember, uh, creative is a variable, right? People like creative and it's very personal it's very individualized. So what resonates with one person isn't going to necessarily resonate with another. And so just because you like something doesn't mean someone else is going to like something. And so, so don't get all bent out of shape if somebody doesn't like, you know, a story that you wrote or an ad that you wrote, but, but start by finding things that you like that speak to you and look at the way they're structured. Now let's talk about some of the things that, that we like. Um, there's a book that I recommend to everybody and it's by Eugene Schwartz and it's called Breakthrough Advertising. It is to me one of the best books out there. It's it's an old school book. The references in that book are very old, they're dated, but the principles, the the foundational elements of that book and and the way copy is written holds true today. Nothing has changed. Awesome. And so that book is going to be expensive. It's a $125 book. The, the person who owns the rights to the book bought it to support the family of uh, Gene Schwartz. And But so it sounds like you'll get a nice return on your investment if you pick up uh, some ideas, right? And, and Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of our Bible in the Ad Zombies world. We like to read that book. That's a book that we recommend to everybody. Wow. Uh, another, another tool that you should be using is the Hemingway app. If you're not a great writer, Hemingway app is probably the best free tool you can use. Uh, Hemingway editor, if you just Google Hemingway app or Hemingway editor, it, it helps you write better in real time. So what it'll do is it'll, it'll give you a flesh Kincaid score as you're writing. That's a readability score. You want to be in the fifth grade to sixth grade level. No, not really any higher. And it will tell you if how many adverbs you have, if you've used passive voice, huh. uh, phrases that have better alternatives, um, sentences that are difficult to read, and sentences that are very difficult to read. And so it'll in real time, you can you can quickly learn uh, how to write better ad copy. And it's HemingwayApp.com, by the way. HemingwayApp.com. Wow. That's the site for that. Then there's another tool, and I think this tool is invaluable for listening to the way your words come together, and it's called Natural Reader. And, and Natural Reader lets you hear the ad the way you wrote it. So basically, you, you take your ad copy, you drop it into Natural Reader. Natural Reader, I can't speak. I need natural speaker today. <laughs> and it's a free app. It's called naturalreaders.com is the website. 
And you simply go in, drop your copy in there, and then choose the voice. And it will read it back to you in a natural human voice. And I tend to listen to an ad two or three times. I'm very audible. Uh, audible? Yep. Audible. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and I like to hear it. Auditory maybe, or I don't know. Auditory. Yeah. Yeah. Auditory. That was yeah. there. Uh, I knew it didn't sound right. Audible. That's how I listen to books. Uh, <laughs> But, but that will let you hear what the ad sounds like in someone's head, huh. your head first. Right. But that, and, and it's remarkable because you'll find mistakes or grammatical problems in the ad just listening back to it. Wow. Well, Ken, this has been solid gold. And I'm dead serious. This has been absolute solid gold. I, I know people are going to rewind and listen to the sucker again. Rewind. Listen, I'm talking like this is a cassette tape. <laughs> listen, um, Ken, where can they discover more about you and your company? Uh, you want to find out more about Ad Zombies? Just go to adzombies.com. It's spelled like it sounds or sounds like it's spelled, whatever, one way or the other. Facebook.com slash adzombies. Instagram. Of course, if you want to look me up personally, just look up Ken Spanky Moskowitz. And Michael, before we roll, I, I have one last thing. Sure. Um, I know that a lot of marketers uh, write their own copy, need help with their copy, and sometimes struggle with copy. If any of your audience ever needs help with ad copy, I have a promo code that we've created just for your audience, and that'll save them 15% off anything that we do for them. And that's SMM15. Does it matter whether it's uppercase or lowercase? I think it has to be uppercase, but you know what? Try it out. If it works one way, it'll work the other. Okay, cool. SMM15, and they they use that at adzombies.com. Is that right? Yep. Just use it at checkout, and you can use it on anything in our store. Ken Moskowitz, on behalf of my entire audience, thank you so much for coming on and providing solid gold. I am grateful. Thank you. Well, I know a lot was mentioned in today's podcast, and we took all the notes for you. You can find all the links to everything by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash 355. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.